Hello, I'm Eric Devin, and welcome to the Get French Football News Preview Show. Joining me, as always, are Nathan Staples and Adam White. We also welcome back the prodigal son, Peter Bowler. It was a fairly <laughs> for French teams in European action, even if there were some nervy moments. And Paris Saint-Germain traveled to Basel and came away with a 2-1 win. Thomas Mounier notching a late winner with a sublime volley that allows him to keep pace with Arsenal in Group A. In yesterday evening's two matches, Monaco got a brace from Radamel Falcao and a goal and an assist from Valère Germain to take control of Group E. Well, Leon's late equalizer against Juventus in Turin sees them alive, if barely, in Group H. In the Europa League, Saint-Étienne traveled to Baku to take on Kabbalah, and after a 2-1 win, which he keeps pace with, with Anderlecht. Nice, meanwhile, may have seen their Europa League ho hope stashed as they hosted Red Bull Salzburg, and the visitors ran out a 2-0 winner, thanks to Salzburg substitute Hishang Huang, netting a double in the space of two minutes. So, gents, thanks, thanks again, as always, for joining me. Uh, let's start with the match in Basel. Uh, Adam and Peter, you two were on duty, as it were, for PSG's visit to the St. Jakob Park. Much of the pre-match conversation was dominated by the exclusion of Serge Aurier from the matchday squad, but Thomas Mounier had a strong match. Adam, is the Belgian of a high enough quality to achieve PSG's aims, or is Serge Aurier necessary for success in Europe? Uh, it's an interesting question because Thomas Mounier is obviously uh, a fullback of qualities, you know, a Belgian international he had a very good career at, at Bruges. He was, Bruges, he was one of their best players. And I know our Belgian analyst here at Football Road is, is a big fan of his. But I, I think it's a similar situation. I think he's also of a similar type of player, although he's got a bit more height and a bit more strength to, to Gregory Vanderbilt. He's probably slightly better than Vanderbilt. But I always thought in Europe that uh, Vanderbilt's defensive work and his positioning in the bigger games, especially in games against Barcelona, was, was left wanting. So... I think that's a similar situation for Munier. He's great going forward and his goal was absolutely quality against, against Basel. It was fantastic. And he has, he has that, got that kind of ability going forward. He can, he's scored some great goals. There was one in, uh, in pre-season against Real Madrid where he actually rifled it into a top corner from outside the area. So he's, you know, he's great going forward. So that's why he's good in the league in. and in perhaps in this sort of game where PSG mentioned on the front foot. But come in the later rounds when they're going to be under pressure, they're not necessarily going to be favourites for a game. They're going to be coming up against some world-class wingers. If Zoria isn't in the side and Muni is forced to deputise or he's, you know, he's continues his run in the team, I think he may be caught out both positionally and in terms of a one-on-one -on -one defender. So I th also think Sergio is an underrated player. I know he's you know, very highly regarded, but I still think he's quite underrated. He's such a good player. He's so solid, so defensively sound, but such a great engine. He can get up and down the pitch. And he's a great cross for the ball and a brilliant defender. So I think the gap between the two is relatively large. And in the later rounds of the Champions League, I think... Uh, they could be found well, he could be a bit of a weak link in that area, Munia, uh, defensively. So, I'd like to see, I'd hope that Aurier will keep his calling and keep out of key out of sort of uh, any sort of misdemeanors off the field, and he'll still be in the team in the later rounds. But I think he's a better player. So, for me, I think Aurier should, should, should be playing it if, if he's available because he's a better defender. Now, I'll ask you, Peter, as someone who's repeatedly defended Thiago Mata. Uh, Adrian Rabio's good start to the season has seen him earn his first call-up for the senior team for France, and the Italian is 34 years old. How long can Emery persist with this, especially with more attacking impetus needed against a so-called weaker opponent in the form of Basel? Mm, yeah, Thiago Motta, um, such an important player, obviously, for Blanc's PSG and a major part of their kind of title triumph. He's fallen a long way. Uh, since Emery's come, there's there's no denying that, and I, I certainly won't pretend like he's the player he was last year because he isn't. Um, perhaps Motta, in a way, is the strongest example of the 
the major kind of differences in in footballing ideology between Unai Emre and Laurent Blanc. You know, Blanc's team was filled with players who were made to fit individual specific roles, whereas Emre, you know, his side requires players with fluidity, positionally anyway. I wonder now, really, as you suggest, with Arjun Rabiot obviously coming along so well and getting into the French team, like you, you mentioned, whether on the basis alone that he just offers more to the team than Motta does now with his energy and his attacking threat, that, yeah, he does deserve his spot. And uh, I think I think Motta probably does deserve to be to be dropped. Certainly the question still lingers as well of Krakowiak, such a big money signing and such an excellent player. He seemed like the obvious replacement uh, for Thiago Motta. Yeah, he, he's not getting in the team. I, I find that to be an odd one. It's a mystery that confounds us all. He did, did come in at centre-back uh, when Thiago Silva was uh, injured uh, on Tuesday, but I'm not sure he has a long-term future there uh, with young President Kempembe coming along as well. Turning our attentions now to Wednesday, Monaco were without Joao Moutinho, whose ability to keep possession has been important for the team this season, particularly in European competition. Uh, it mattered little, though, as Radimil Falcao and Benjamin Mendy both had a star turn in the win over Sheska Moscow. Nathan, is this a matter of the quality of the opposition, or can these two be important pieces going forward after a middling start to the season? I think it's a little bit of a factor of both. I thought um, CSK Moscow were pretty poor in this game, to be fair. They they seemed to roll over and die in after about five minutes, and they seemed knackered. They seemed like they didn't really push for any kind of result. They never had any real verve about their play, but let's credit Falcao and Mendy, who you've already mentioned, were absolutely excellent. I thought the 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 former really found space well in this one, although his, his pace didn't really... Well, it wasn't as needed as it, it used to be in the past because he's facing two centre-backs in uh, Brzezutski and I'm trying to remember the, the other one. It's... Uh, Ignacevic. Yeah, Ignacevic. That's the... the, the, the <laughs> they move like glaciers on that football field at, now, at the age they are at now and... and that made it a lot more simpler for Falcao, but he still showed his class. His second goal is an absolute lovely turn and, and an excellent finish that wrongfoots uh, Akinfeyev, who's yet to have a clean sheet in the Champions League for 10 years, which is remarkable. But the latter, Mandy at left-back, was excellent. He put in an excellent ball for Falcao's first. I thought he really pushed it at left-back. We've not seen him really go to that level for Monaco so far. I thought he was excellent offensively. He didn't have too much work to do defensively because the Moscow team were really inept, really, going the other way. So, yeah, we say the quality of opponent, but CSK were really good in the the first leg back in Moscow. And, and I was really surprised by how lackluster and they seemed in this one. Um, but, yeah, those two can be really important pieces going forward. Although I mentioned in the preview before this uh, game that I think um, Kylian Mbappé will be more important, especially now he's playing more often. His pace and, and his finishing ability will be important to Monica going forward. But you need all the pieces you can to fight on two fronts like Liga and, and the Champions League. So those two coming to form will be great. And this result was fantastic, especially with Leverkusen winning in the other game. It means Monaco only really need a point in the next game against Tottenham to pretty much, well, guarantees qualification so fantastic result great to see two players that have not quite hit the heights yet have a great game and uh, yeah hopefully this continues for Monica. All right Nathan just one more question to bookend uh, 
quick question here. Uh, say the round of 16 starts in a week. Do you start yep. Mendy and Sidi Bey, or do you start Raji and Sidi Bey at fullbacks? They, Monaco are up against uh, Real Madrid, who finished second in the group, their group with Dortmund. If I'm playing a team like that, I would start Raji and uh, Sidibe. I think, especially with picking a team with two very good wide forwards there as well. So it's it's keeping that defensive solidity and, and against a higher ranked team, Monaco aren't going to be good enough going forward to punish them with someone like Mendy still in the team. So while it was positive for him, I don't think against a stronger side in European competition that he's exactly what they might need. If they're chasing a game or if they've maybe lost that first leg, yes, I would start Mendy because he does offer more going forward than someone like Raji does. But um, in the first leg against a team of that quality, um, let's stay solid and try and hook up. All right. To conclude our Champions League section of the show, I want to ask each of you to weigh in on a debate that I've been having on Twitter uh, my, in my morning or your afternoon. Uh, Alexander Lacazette has yet to find his feet in the Champions League uh, due to a combination of injury, tactical ineptitude on the part of Hubei Fournier, and when he was initially played in the Champions League uh, four and five seasons ago, he was being used as a winger, not a striker. Uh, he's 25 years old now, and should he be doing better than he has in matches like the draw against Juventus. Peter, I'm going to start with you, and I want to each ask each of you this question. Yeah, um, I, I saw that debate, actually. I thought it was a decent one, and I, I have to admit, um, I did agree with you, Eric, and I'm not just saying that because you're uh, on a podcast with me. Um, but I don't think he's really had enough of an opportunity to prove himself. I think it would be harsh to dismiss him, um, especially considering the fact that the, was it 20 Champions League appearances that he's made have been under multiple managers? Um, so I think he deserves time. You know, he's, he's obviously a talented player. Um, we all know that because of how key he obviously is to Leon. Um, but the Champions League is 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 on another level. It's such a different uh, competition compared to Liga, and the quality that you come up against is so different to Liga. So uh, I just think he needs time, personally. Adam, what are your thoughts on Lacazette's performance uh, yesterday, and in, in general, in, in the, on the European stage? I I think possibly that I agree to somewhat with what what Peter said that I definitely think he needs more of a chance. He scored twice in his last eight Champions League games, so that's not the best return from a striker that's you know sees himself at least at some point in his career as being a world class player. Um, but again, he's had a, a lack of opportunities, and the quality they come up against in in that competition is much higher than it is in league, and, and the quality of Leon by comparison in recent seasons not through a fault of their own, but perhaps through injury. And last season, they, they really had a terrible start under Fournier as well. So I don't know that they've been the best side. So he's not like he's going to be getting the, the sort of opportunities that he might uh, in a slightly better side in the competition or obviously in league and against slightly weaker opposition. So I think it's a combination of factors. But personally, I still think I'd like to see him contributing more. He's made a few mistakes. He missed that penalty a few games back. That was a little bit disappointing. So I think that, yes... He, he still needs chances and he still needs more time in the competition, but I still think this season I'd like to see him being more of a leader and perhaps more influence on the game, not necessarily in terms of goals, but I'd like to see him being more, affect the game more. I'd still like to see to see that in the, in the short term at least, but obviously there's still a lot. As you said, 25, all right, he's getting, he's getting, he's not young anymore, but he's by no means old. So he's got a long way to go in his career. And 
I imagine he will adapt slightly more as, as, as the seasons move on, and perhaps even if he moves club in the summer, perhaps. But for now, I th- it's sort of like a, it's sort of like a C plus. Like he's done he's done fine so far, but I think there's more to come. It's a bit of a weird argument to have as well, really, because I mean, what's the what's the alternative? Not play him and play someone else. I mean, he's Leon's best striker. Surely he needs yeah, to exactly. be, be, be just given I mean, time. He's obviously got to play, but it's it's whether it's almost like a personal issue, isn't it? It's almost like mm. he's doing enough in terms of relative to him rather than the team because he's obviously their best player, so he's going to play. But has he done well enough based on his talent? It's it's, it's a very interesting. It's close. It's an interesting debate. Nathan Agubba, final word on this to you. Uh, I I agree with the general sentiment of he needs to do a little bit better, really, in my opinion. Um, we argue that he's 25 and, and the likes, but if you look at other players around that age, the first one that springs to mind is Antoine Griezmann and the effect he has on games for um, Atletico Madrid, even in big games. I know that that's also saying that he's missed penalties in Champions League finals, etc. But um, the way he, a player like that affects the game and how important he is into Atletico Madrid, I think they really need to think about or he needs to think about more more to say to the point that uh, he needs to do a little bit better. Yes, there's been injuries. Yes, um, tactical ineptitude in the past has really maybe frustrated him and the fact that Leon, especially the last season, the Champions League weren't great. This season, they're a, a bit better. They, they, they've improved, certainly, comparatively to that. But yeah, he he needs to try and pull this team through the mire occasionally more often. Um and sort of lift them, especially if he wants to be getting that next move to another big Champions League team. Um, he needs to push himself a little bit more and become more of a focal point and a leader and and really lead by example for this team because uh, Leon are probably going to go out of the Champions League. It's it's incredibly hard to imagine them not doing so now um, without a good couple of results going their way in other games. So um, the fact that I mean, last night, the night, uh, the couple of weeks ago, that a goal from him or a a couple of the chances that he has go in and Leon are in a completely different position. Um, yeah, it speaks to the fact that at 25, in my opinion, at least, I think 25 is when you should be hitting your prime or getting towards hitting your prime. So he needs to be doing better. I think that's a really interesting point you made there, Nathan, because I'd, I'm not sure why people think that you should be hitting your prime at 25. I mean, uh, a lot of... If you look back over the years, and I mean sort of, you know, 10, 15, 20 years of football, you think of all the real great players. They don't actually hit that. I mean, Zidane is a very good example. He didn't really, really hit his prime until like his late 20s. And a lot of that, those those kind of classic Galacticos for Real Madrid, they were in their kind of their 30s or, or, or you know, 28, 29 years old when they really started um you know, being regarded as the as the best players in the world. I think it's maybe something to do with modern football in the sense that we put so much pressure now on young players that we expect more at a young age. I mean, does does anybody else have any any thoughts on that or, on why that is? Well, I think that another good example here I'm, I might draw upon is uh, Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. Uh, his breakout season with Saint Etienne, he was 24 at the end of that uh, when he earned, earned that move to Dortmund. So. He's a player who I think plays in a very similar style. He's a little bit faster than Lacazette, obviously, but he's sort of a winger come striker who's who's got a natural knack for goal scoring, can finish with both feet. Uh, and that's I think that's a good example of someone who is a bit of a slow burner. Uh, the fact is Lacazette's not been challenged on a on a consistent basis uh, at a high level. Leon haven't been 
in the Europa in the in the Champions League consistently. And we don't we we're basing his quote unquote matches against big clubs on two matches against Juventus uh, when he's coming off from a serious thigh injury. Uh, and he, okay, he has one good chance on Wednesday night, but he gets Barzali gets a good block in or not a block in it. He cuts the angle off, and Barzali is one of the best defenders in the world. He still has great pace at thirty five, and is that down? You know, if we're going to talk about players being world class, Barzali is world class. He's proven that. Uh, Lacazette wants to be at that. He's got be at that level. He's got to figure out how to anticipate Barzali's run and and how to beat Buffon. Those two have proven it. He hasn't. You know, the the one example I would b- bring up would be Luis Suarez. I mean, would would we all agree that Luis Suarez is in his prime right now at, at Barcelona? That the year before and the year um, at the moment, you know, Luis Suarez is his prime because he's twenty nine years old. Yeah, he was 24 when he went to Liverpool. Yeah, 23. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's 29 now. And I just yeah. think to myself, you know, Arsenal used to, I don't know if they still do, but Arsenal used to have a thing where they would only give a, a player a year's contract after they hit the age of 30. Can you imagine them doing that to Luis Suarez now because of his age? It's it's a weird debate. Maybe it's just it's just individual by individual basis, but I think to it, we have to be careful not to just because... Lacazette is, is 25 to you know expect too much of him especially in the Champions League which is the elite level of football and, and a level that he's not getting tested at uh, too often Interesting debate I, I, I still wonder on the way that yes you, we point out players like Suarez moving to Liverpool at 24 but that's when you could see his career trajectory going up Lacazette needs to start proving it or or find a move away then if he, if he wants to Goes to that next level, in my opinion, at least. Also, it's I think he would agree with you. Oh, I'm here. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, because... Peter, go ahead. No, yeah. I was just saying. I think um, I think Lacazette himself would probably agree with you, Nathan. I, th- I think he does know that he needs to um, test himself properly in a in a league which offers more. If he's going to become a world class player, because at the moment I don't think he is a world class player. Um, but you know he he does. To be fair to him, he does seem very very happy at Leon. So maybe he needs to force a move to the Premier League. I'm not sure. Um, but if if he is going to move to the Premier League or, or you know La Liga, maybe he need, he needs to get himself the right move. You know, you don't want to end up at West Ham, do you? <laughs> well, let's not incense uh, our West Ham fans on, on the show. I do agree that they have been struggling for goals, and he'd be a useful addition to an ambitious team. Uh, but let's move on to the Europa League then. Uh, Adam, you were over Saint Etienne's trip to Azerbaijan. Saint Etienne played their customary four-three-three. Uh, the team tried to generate most of their play from crosses, though, with Kevin Malquit and Shaken Benge almost playing as auxiliary wingers. Uh, with both Alexander Soderlund and Nolan Roux on the bench, and Robert Berrettini as own up top, sometimes cutting an isolated figure. Jacalte uh, have started with two up top to give the fullback, fullbacks more to aim at. It's definitely an option. It, it felt like, though, that we've talked a lot about on the pod about Sinetian's lack of inspiration going forwards, and they're often like a slow and, and little, little bit dull side in the league, and as much as I love them. Um, and it's, it feels like is trying to add a little bit more to the attack from the fullback areas, and he's looking for that kind of balance between Mbeng and, and Malqui, who are similar sort of players, got similar skill sets. And with, them t- with those two at fullback, they do look slightly more well-balanced. But the only issue is if they're going to be bombing forward, um, if you go with two strikers, you're going to go, what, 4-4-2? Four, four, you could go with a diamond, that might work. But given the players that Sinetian have got, you'd expect them to play with wingers as well. Um, but the only issue if you go with two strikers is that you're, you're left weak 
in, in the central area. So if you're caught on the counter, you've got those two centre-backs and perhaps those two central midfield players. When the full-backs bomb on, uh, for example, this evening you've got Selnes who can drop in between the centre-backs and make a three because Gout is a fan of that formation as well to play 3-5-2 or 3-4-3 as we saw when they had some injuries and in bigger games last season and, and in further, further back as well. So I guess it's almost it's a weird compromise. Perhaps um, I think Berich is good in the air. I think he, he thrives on crosses and it, it'll be good for, for him in the long run. I think he'll get more goals like that. You, I would think from Gauta's point of view, though, that instead of having another striker, which he might try perhaps if they're chasing games in Ligue 1 um, in, in, later in the season or even in Europe, but he might want to see um, the, the winger from the other side getting into the box and supporting Berich. One of the central midfielders, possibly Jordan Verich, getting to, into the box and supporting Berich, Berich too. So it's, I think he does need a little bit of support in that area and they need a little bit more to aim at, perhaps. But it needs to come from other areas because otherwise they could be left wanting in, in, other, in other areas of the pitch, which is something that I think is sort of, that might be Gautier's thinking. But I like the, I like the use of Mbeng and Malkui wide um, and getting forward because it, it sort of splits those two formations between four, the 3-4-3 the three, three and the 4-3-3. And perhaps you know gives them a little bit more width, which is which we, I think will help them in the long run. It just they need a little bit more support for Berich, but from other areas. All right. So Salzburg once again played a very chippy match uh, against Nice to really disrupt their rhythm. Uh, the referee was, in my opinion, a little bit lenient in waiting till uh, the 54th minute to book the player. The player uh, Lehner, who was booked, uh, had six fouls. Uh, committed before he was booked. I think that defines persistent infringement. Uh, Nathan, you were watching the match as well as I was. Is that how you saw things? And is that physical physical style of play a template to beat Les Aiglons that Ligue 1 sides can learn from? Uh, if a ref's that lenient, possibly. <laughs> Otherwise, you might get about three or four players sent off. Um, I I can't, like you mentioned, I can't believe the referee was so lenient in this game. Um, it's almost unbelievable. Um like you say, six fouls is ridiculous. Like, I, I I would maximize four as a as a like, and that's a pushing it for. And some of these fouls were were great fouls. Some of them were nitty bitty bonds, but some of them were possible booking offences on their own. And you you start adding that up, and it's ridiculous. But yes, that that physical style seemed to bother Nice a little bit. But we also have to remember that this is not far off the same team that they played at the weekend. Other than uh, I think Cosiello came in and Cyprian in midfield, um, they played pretty much the same forward three. They played the same back four. Um, so it's it's hard to say that this is a way to disrupt them fully because they're also playing off a different formation. While uh, they wait for Paul Bice to come back and they wait for um, Dalbe to probably recover. Although I, I, I I thought Suke was okay, but he, he did make a couple of mistakes this evening. Oh, you're being generous, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt in this one. He he was good at the weekend, though, so I'm, I'm giving I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. Um, but it was difficult as well. It was chippy. I thought the pressure from Salzburg was decent, though. At the same time, they didn't create too much until loads uh, created little bits. There were mainly shots from outside the box. I thought I thought they took the the uh, Huang the substitute. He was excellent. I thought when he came on, he added a dynamism. He sort of disrupted that back line that between Saar and and Dante, and they weren't quite on the same wavelength in terms of offsides, and that kind of was their downfall. But at the same time, are they going to be enormously bothered that they've lost this game? I'm not really sure. In all honesty, um, I think now that they've lost this one, it looks 
there's a mathematical way of them still going through, but it's it's not really worth the time if you if with their current situation. So, uh, Favreau will probably be pleased that he can throw this one away now and simply focus on possibly a really exciting league season. So, yes, it's a shame that it's it's come to this, but in all honesty, we all knew that Nice's squad wasn't deep enough to try and compete on two competitions, especially when they might get a big loss on that fifth game against uh, in in this group and probably go out anyway. So um, it's good to probably shove this one aside and focus on the league and hope that they can build for next season and be better in Europe next season. All right. So moving on from our European section, um, we previewed six matches last week, which provided us an ample opportunity to pick up points. Adam and I took advantage to steal a march on our leader, Nathan. Uh, with Adam recording seven points and myself six to Nathan's three. Nathan does still lead with 24 points, but Adam is on 22 and I'm on 20, the gap continuing to narrow. Peter does have some work to do with a week away with just 12 points. Uh, and again, we're giving three points for a correct score, one for a correct result in our little prognostics game here. So uh, moving on to match day 12, we have just four matches this, uh, this show to, to look at, and as we've got uh, European action to consider as well. We're going to start with tomorrow's match. It's Montpellier hosting Marseille. Baffetimbi Gomez is out for this match, and he has been a reliable focal point for Rudy Garcia's 4-3-3. Clinton Engie and Aaron Lea Seca are his other striking options, but neither is really best as a target man. OM could opt to play Remy Cabea or Bunasar as a false nine, or change the system completely. Nathan, in your opinion, what's the best approach for OM? Well, the interesting point will be I've I've seen on Twitter just before the show that it definitely won't be Aaron Leo Saker as that striking option. He's missed the flight. Uh, well, sorry, the he thought it was a flight to um, Montpellier this evening. It wasn't. It was a bus. He's missed it. Uh, he won't be there. He won't be joining them. So it won't be him. Um, I, I know it's a, it is a strange one. They, he got his itinerary wrong, is what we believe to have happened. But uh, he will not be playing. Um, I would probably try and stick with the 4-3-3 and try Clinton and G. Yes, he's not a better target man, um, but do you risk playing a, a, something like a false nine or do you change the system so you play maybe two up front? I think it's a bit too much of a risk. I might be tempted to play Remy Cabea in as part of that three-man midfield and have him a little bit closer to Clinton and G, almost in a 4-2-3-1 to make it a bit better for him so he doesn't have to... Hold the ball up too much, and and maybe that risk him a little bit. But um, I would probably start him and try that way because Montpellier aren't the best at the back at the moment. They've not been they've been in flashes decent, but they've in in other games they've been pretty poor compared to what they have been in the past. They're much better going forward. So keeping that solidity that Marseille have had for the last couple of weeks have have finally getting a little bit settled, concentrating a little bit more on their defence and maybe just trying to nick one in this one, in fairness, away from home, a, a win will be valuable, a point will be just as good. So I, I would try and G up front, um, try and mix it around with whoever plays around and whether that be Tovan who will cut inside anyway, um, if whether that might be Bunasar starting on the other wing or something like that. Keep it fresh, keep it mixed up, try and frustrate, uh, Montpellier in in the defensive in their final third and, and make them a little bit amused and try and create something um, a little bit different because that shows you the options that Rudy Garcia does have. Like if that, this was to be the case again, so 
Yeah, I, I think I, I would try and have at least a, at least a slightly established strike. I wouldn't call Clinton and G a, an, an ideal striking option to play up front on his own. But again, where where are the options otherwise for him? I probably would have gone with Larry Saker and but out of personal preference. I think he did okay the other weekend. He did miss a couple of chances, but um, you always want to try and see these young players improve. And having him get that starting option would have been interesting if he didn't miss that bus to to Montpellier. But yeah, uh, try something a little bit different at least and mix it up a tiny bit. Try and give Montpellier something where they may not be expecting and uh, hope that you can maybe nick nick a win if they can. And of course, Antoine Robillard is another player who started uh, in the past for Marseille but is yet to feature this season. I, I believe he's gone on that bus, so he might be available as well. He's on that bus. All right. yeah. And Nathan, what is your score prediction then for tomorrow evening's match? I'm going to go 1 0 at Marseille. Okay. And Adam? 2 0 Marseille. Okay. And Peter? I'm going to go 1 1. All right. I think that Montpellier. Uh, with Morgan Sanson in fine form and the players recovered from that uh, illness they suffered from last week are going to take this one uh, 1-0. Uh, moving on now to not hosting to lose. Both of these teams are suffering from what we should fairly call momentum-stopping losses, even if Nantes' momentum was just a League Cup win. Uh, but Alexis Blin and Isaiah Silla are missing for the visitors. Now, there's no shame in losing to Lyon. But, Adam, is this the match where Toulouse finally start to come back to earth? I think to some extent. Um, I was honestly quite disappointed with their, their second-half display against Lyon, after, especially after Raphael got sent off. No Man United fans would be surprised to see him getting another second yellow card and getting himself sent off. <laughs> but I think that's a sign of the times at Toulouse to some extent. It comes so far under the Prats that once you know, they, had, they, were, they were man up, although they were goal down, it was almost like the air of expectancy around the stadium. They, it went a little bit quiet, went a bit sort of dead at the, at the start of Musa Power in the last half now. It was almost like, because they'd beaten PSG and Monaco at home, they, they were, this game was already in the bag, if you like, or at least they were going to get back into it. And Dupraz's side kind of hit a little bit of a brick wall going forward. Leon defended very well, two banks of four, Lacazette on the break. They, they, they contained Toulouse really quite easily and then held them at arm's length. And, Toulouse didn't really create anything. So I think perhaps it's a little bit of a reality check that, okay, they're doing fantastically well on Dudebraz and they've had some brilliant results and he's really got them playing, but they, there's still quite a few stronger teams on paper than them in the league. And Lyon are one of those teams that, although they're below them in the, in the table, they're still a much stronger side overall. And despite Dupraz's best efforts, he threw on forward players, even with half an hour to go quite early. They couldn't break them down, so perhaps this is something as a learning experience, both for both for the club, the club as a whole. Like the, the fans, I felt like were a bit sort of they'd almost accepted that they were going to get that at least a draw in this game, and, and that was still quite a, quite a difficult task. And perhaps it's something for Dupraz that, that he needs to think of perhaps a way that they're going to break teams down because they've been so good at home that they, you know they are going to come up against perhaps weaker sides who are going to sit in against them and part the bat a little bit. So they're going to have to try and figure a way to to you know get through those solid defenses. Which which Leon proved proved they were capable of doing uh, on, on on Saturday afternoon. So so perhaps they are have come back down to earth a little bit, but hopefully it won't affect them too much going forward. But something that they can they can use as an as a learning experience instead. But still a long way to go in the season, and, and I, I would still be positive from their point of view. But 
Leon are a good team, and as you say, there's no there's no shame in losing to them. Perhaps they just need to be a bit more aware that there's there's still a developing side to lose. All right, the has only been there what 25 games, so you know they've got a long way to go yet, and they they need to be a, li- a little bit more. Perhaps they have maybe a plan B for that situation, but disappointing. But hopefully not not too much of a bump for Toulouse. All right, your prediction then? Um, whoa, this is an interesting one. Toulouse aren't as good away from home, and Nantes are decent enough at home, so I'd say one each. Okay, Peter? I think based on that uh, defensive display over the weekend, I, I would probably have to say Toulouse, so I'll, I'll go 2-0 to Toulouse. Okay, I'm going to go with a 1-0 Toulouse win. And Nathan? 3-1 Toulouse. Not on the wrong end of another hiding. Now, Peter, there's no one else who can speak to about this match. Lille were overly conservative against PSG after showing signs of life against Bastia the previous weekend. Did they try to be positive on the road against a strong Angers team, or does Antonetti stick with the 4-5-1 he had used at the Parc des Princes, especially with Renato Civelli suspended? Oh, I would definitely scrap the uh, 4-5-1, which was really, really bemused me against PSG. Um, but then again, Antonetti is a, it bemuses me in general, and, and so did Lille as a club, some of the decisions they made. Um, I feel like I harp on a little bit about the uh, the massive contract that they gave him, considering Lille's poor form. But um, yeah, it's a bizarre scenario. Um, it's a bizarre situation to find themselves in. I think Lille need to attack in this game. I think this could potentially be a poor game as both these sides are, are are fairly out of out of out of sorts um but it could potentially be a very important one because you would expect both of these sides um considering their form at the moment and their, and their form over the course of the season to be fighting near the bottom of the table this year um, and these are this you know potentially this is a six pointer in the making um so yeah i'm not sure which leal is going to turn up that seems to be uh, something we often say when talking about uh, Le Doge. But I think um, if they come out with an attacking mentality and get a little bit more service into Adair, then um, yeah, they, positive things could happen. But speaking of bizarre decisions, um, Angers are, are also a, a fairly peculiar club at the moment. Um, I, I'm actually starting to become a little bit fed up of uh, Stéphane Moulin. Um, he played Jarles, is it Jarles or, or I think it's Jarles Sanou, um, Hopefully, I won't. Hopefully, hopefully, he's not listening, so I won't have offended him with my pronunciation of his name. But um, he's, he, I don't. He's started as the lone striker um, last weekend, which was just absolutely bizarre. He's a tiny little guy, um, not particularly strong either, and, and a poor player in general. And it's decisions like that 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 just really bemuse me when it comes to Angers at the moment. So, I think, um, as I mentioned, I think it could be a poor game, but potentially a very, very important one. All right, your score prediction then? Uh, I'm going to go a 1-0 to Lille. To Lille, all right. I'm going to go 1-0 in the opposite direction. Host Angers to win for me. Nathan? I don't think Jarl Sanu's going to be offended of you pronouncing his name, Peter. Jeez. Uh, it's, it's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go for 2-0 uh, Angers. All right, and Adam? I don't think there's many goals in this, so I'm going to go nil-nil. I do... Wonder, though, on that point, whether Diadu wasn't suspended. I think we can check on that. I've just thought that, that because is, I, I can't understand why he'd be playing if he wasn't. Oh, go ahead, Adam. Sorry. Oh, sorry. He, I think he left out because his, his father died um, in the morning of the game, so he was in the original squad. But 
they, they he's father died in the morning, so they gave him like compassionate oh. leaves. That's why well, our condolences to him. He's had a, a good start to the season, and uh, I mm-hmm. assume he'll be back leading the attack uh, on Saturday. Um, yeah, but it is a bizarre decision to to take that. Uh, maybe move Toko Akambi centrally might have made a little bit more sense. Um, moving on to our final match, we have PSG hosting Ren. They've looked really solid this season, Ren, defensively at least. Could this, but could be, this be the right test for a change lineup for the champions? We've seen Jean-Kevin Augustin have a fine summer. Javier Pastore return to the match day squad midweek. Atem Ben Arfa and Hesse are also options. Nathan, put yourself in Unai Emery's shoes. How do you set PSG up for this match tactically and personnel-wise? So first of all, I've got not to be uh, Unai Emery because <laughs> at the moment, if I was Unai Emery, it seems to be let's play slightly negative um, against a team like Ren, who uh, you're right, have been quite solid defensively. I've not been fully impressed with them in an attacking sense yet. I think Ntep's slowly getting their couple of assists the last couple of games. They've not fully impressed me yet. So uh, especially as Paris Saint Germain as well, I think that. We can maybe go a little bit more risky for this. So I would start with that four through three that they've been playing, um, and I would play. I would I would probably st- still start Krakowiak, um over Thiago Motta. Uh, my heart weeps for you, Peter, but that's uh, he's, he's the better player on my money at least. Anyway, and then then I, I would play Verratti and, and Rabiot on current form, and then I want to see them try and mix it up a little bit. You're right. Uh, I would. Whether I start Augustan is maybe another question. I think PSG still need a couple more wins in the league to really be a, a little bit more secure. So I would I would still start Cavani as a, as the main striker. I would maybe try to try, I'd quite like to see Hatem Bonoff coming for someone like Lucas who hasn't been as good in the last couple of weeks. I think he's had a good start to the season, but. I want to see something different. I want to see him try Ben Arthur in that position, and I would still. T- at least start Di Maria and then go from there. They've got what I would like to see mainly from when I am is make use of those options. Yes. If he doesn't start any of them, bring some of them on more at more purposeful times. I mean, against Basel, he didn't seem to bring anyone for a good 70 minutes. He let Di Maria hang out there. If, if he's not being successful at half time, if Cavani's not really hitting the form that, um, well, we've not even seen really other than the goals he's stuck in, then maybe hold them off and try and change it up a little bit. It seems like he waits a little bit too long for me to try and alter his options. So use some of these plays he's got, use some of this squad, get them informed, get to see a little bit more of them. I mean, we've not seen an, enough of say this season really to have a real judgment other than probably the first three games of the season or so. Again, Augustan, like you mentioned on the main show, he's barely played. Javier Pastore, having him back will be really interesting, especially if they're struggling for goals. You could always bring him on in the place of Krakowiak and, and play Verratti as more of a deep-lying playmaker so he can be the last line of defence in front of the back four. So mix it up a little bit. Try something different. Give them different options and try and make it harder for your team selection each week rather than maybe pandering to some of these big-name players that... Um, some may argue with the substitutions he did a couple of weeks ago that he wasn't, but I still think he's he's still handing them the starts, even though he has brought some of them off, but he's still not bringing them off at times that can affect games. So yeah, mix it up a little bit. This Ren team has looked solid defensively, so see what your players can do and, and don't be afraid to mix it up a little bit more and see if you can get a little bit more consistency out of other players 
And uh, yeah, a bit a win here would be really big for them, I think. And if all the results start going their way again, it, it's not too hard to imagine that Paris Saint-Germain are back up where they need to be sooner rather than later. All right, I'm going to go for a 2-0 PSG win. And Nathan, your prediction? I'm going to go 1-0 PSG. Okay. Adam? Um, 3-0 PSG. And just a quick point on that, just a correction on that Dehedu point. He actually became a dad rather than his dad died. The translation on my Twitter seems to have gone uh, <laughs> a bit awry. So ah, I'm much okay. happier. Okay, a big difference. All right, well, congratulations to from our dear Dehedu. <laughs> Uh, uh, Peter, your your prediction? Yeah, I'm going to go for 1-1 here. I think um, if Nathan's right and PSG do rest some of their uh, bigger names, I think that could be another big mistake to add on to the ever-growing list of Unai Emery mistakes this season. Um, Ren look absolutely fantastic defensively, very well organised by Christian Gorkouf, and I expect them to give uh, them a very good game, especially seeing as they're only nine points off the top, uh, Ren, um, with PSG obviously being only six points off the top. So going to be a good game probably my, my pick of the uh, pick of the games all right that is all we have time for this week please do remember to join us uh on monday at 8 british time 8 p.m british time uh and to follow us on twitter at gffn and visit www.getfootballnewsfrance.com for all the latest updates from around league and french football uh, we will be off next week to return on the 18th uh, the preview show that is, but please do join us on Monday uh, for Adam White, Nathan Tables, and Peter Bowler. I've been Eric Devin. Thank you, and have a pleasant weekend.